Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show. Here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, my name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Bertie, what's going on? Not much, my friend. How are we doing today? We good? Everything? Good, yeah. good, good. You know, we never, never we never hit on yesterday. We got so busy with the Cardinals and Colt McCoy and Kyler Murray. We never hit on how awesome that Elton John concert that, was. That that Elton John concert was awesome. In fact, Wasn't funny, it great? You had asked her a, kind of like a rhetorical question on Friday, like who among the younger eight Age group would be going to Elton John. I'm right. looking at one right now. Jesse Morrison, producer of the uh, the Wolf and Luke Good show. For him. He Good was for him. He, he was he was listening to us on Friday, and absolutely, he's like. And speaking of my generation, yeah, we're here. And he sent me a picture of him at Chase Field. So oh, that's great. That's great. Well, I mean, that's it. That's the last time you'll ever see him in Arizona. Spent like 25 concerts here, and talked about the first one in the early 70s, and then you know, I, I was just blown away by how good he still is. Singing wise, like you know, you really the song sounded the same as they always have. Now he may not jump around the stage like he used to and jump up on the piano and everything, but the the piano playing, the music, the the sound, everything sounded great. And I couldn't believe that like everybody in his band was seventy five years old with a suit on. <laughs> like that wasn't like you know a lot of these older bands they have some younger player people playing oh, with yeah, them. No, not him. No, man. Everybody was at least seventy years old that was in that band, and everybody was wearing a suit and a tie. I couldn't I, believe that. I'd say based off of my social media feeds. I knew everybody there felt like everybody was there on Friday or Saturday. I, I like in our age group, right? Like in my general give or take ten years on either side, yeah. it felt like everybody I knew was at that show on Saturday night. It was great. It was a lot of it fun. It was a great show. He said it was a great the show. Last farewell tour was his last farewell tour. So we'll see. But I, no, I, I think this one. I, I think this. I, is I tend to believe him on this one. He was uh, he was awfully awfully good. All right, from what was awfully good to what was not awfully good. Our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Down to 10 seconds, the shot clock's off. Suns down one with the ball. Booker, pull up, elbow jumper. No, it's blocked by Butler, but he got it back. Three seconds left. Butler for three. No, it's short, and that'll do it. Devin Booker fired the three from almost the exact spot. He made it just moments ago, and the Miami Heat get out of here with a win. Great defense by Jimmy Butler. Great, great defense. I mean, just like highlight reel kind of stuff. We talk about posterizing dunks. That was a posterizing block, I think, of Devin Booker. And the Suns go 1-3 and three on their road trip, a game in which they had a 13-point lead in the fourth quarter with about eight minutes to go, and they can't finish the deal last night against the Miami Heat, losing 113-112. Yeah, yeah. I'd listen to that day. Mistakes. It was mistakes. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the free throw disparity, but, you know, Torrey Craig... Follows a missed three-pointer by Damian Lee. Puts it back. And they're up by that 13-point margin. It's 102-89. It was a 9 nothing Suns run. There was eight minutes and six seconds left. And then they got sloppy. 
They got sloppy. There was one sequence. Payne missed a shot. Torrey Craig rebounded it. Then D.A. missed a shot. Then Torrey Craig rebounded. Then Payne missed a shot. Then Miami finally got it. Three shots, one possession, no basket. There's another six sequence. Payne misses a shot. D.A. grabs the rebound, but then he loses the ball. It leads to a bam out of bio, basket on the other end, and a free throw. Three-point play. McHale had a turnover. That led to a fast break dunk from Struess to Bam. D.A. fouled Butler, and he made both free throws. Martin blocked the shot by Payne. Booker had an offensive foul. D.A. had another offensive foul to put Bam on the line. Burns, if I look at it in a nutshell, I think it was just the, the final eight minutes of the show, the Suns, the Suns just played sloppy basketball. Yeah, they played sloppy basketball. I think what they were saying during the broadcast, too, had some merit. It did feel like Miami really turned up the defensive pressure. And oh, 100%. The, and the Suns didn't have any answer for that, right? Like, they, they the, the, the Heat took it, and it was like, you had a six, and they cranked it up to a nine in those last eight minutes of the game. And I think the other thing that was that was pretty apparent to me watching that game really throughout the course of that whole fourth quarter there really wasn't any help for Devin Booker at all in the fourth quarter he got a little help early in the quarter from Damian Lee who hit a couple of big shots but if you look at just like the plain box score from the fourth quarter there he he it was 10 points for Book the next closest guy had five and that was Damian Lee he got one no made shots from Mikel Bridges no made shots from DeAndre Ayton the two of them combined for only two field goal attempts in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was we've. It seems like once again, no Chris Paul, no Landry Shamit, no Cam Johnson. Some of these games, some of these moments get reduced down to who's going to help Devin Booker. Who else on the yeah. court can you count on other than Devin Booker? And throughout the course of that game, the answer was lots of guys. But in the fourth quarter, the answer was none of the guys. You couldn't count on any of them to help out Book. And I just felt like he was on an island. He played 42 minutes last night. He did everything he could to win that basketball game for him. Just yep. didn't get the help last He even night. blocked a shot. Yes, I mean, he had a he he blocked a shot by Martin in that fourth quarter. And then Biz blocked a shot by Martin. Poor Martin's like, I can't. What am I going to do here? I can't get a basket. But I thought when they had that 9 nothing run, that 13 points up, eight, 13, 13 points up with 8 to go, I thought they, they would be able to take care of that. And you're, you're right. I mean, now... Cameron Payne did have a floater that put him up 112-111. Torrey Craig did have a basket that put him up 104-101. But it seemed like even on that last possession, right? You go to that last possession, you know, they're not in the bonus. Payne gets the ball of book. Book gets, book gets fouled. Because they're not in the bonus, they don't get the free throws. They got inbound the ball. Payne misses a shot. DBA, DA grabs the rebound, gives it to McHale. He has a wide open shot, but he doesn't take it. No, he didn't want it. Like, McHale had the best. McHale had the best. Why would you not take a wide open shot? If you miss it, you could always foul them. Instead, you get, I know Book's your closer, but I thought in that situation, I don't know if you felt the same thing. God, McHale, I want you taking that shot. Yeah, it, 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 I, I noticed same thing and I do think there's just as much as we want Mikel Bridges to be that guy and as much as he started this road trip being that guy you know part of being that guy is taking those shots at the end and it just didn't seem like he wanted because think about the last time okay this was this was the game before the road trip started where Devin Booker had the ball in his hands it was against one of the it was one of the Portland games in fact it was the one they lost on Friday night it was the Mikel Bridges travel game remember and Booker 
looks like, hey, I will pass to Mikael Bridges. If he's got the shot, it's his to take. And in that moment, he tried to take it and he traveled. He shouldn't have been called for traveling, but he got called for traveling. I wonder if part of that was in the back of his mind a little bit. Like, okay, it's the end of the game. The last time it was my turn to do this, it didn't go so well. I traveled. Get the ball in the hands of the guy who's like the proven closer. Get it to him and let him deal with it. And it, it felt like the whole fourth quarter was like, I mean, Cameron Payne was one for seven in that fourth quarter. He was four for 17 for the game. He really, really struggled out there. It was rough. It was it was rough to watch. But yeah, I felt the same thing. I felt like Mikel actually had the better shot, but he trusted Devin Booker more in that moment. And, and why wouldn't you? He's Devin Booker. But he got contested twice, and, and Jimmy Butler rallied big time. You want to talk about yeah. the free throws for a minute? Yeah, let's talk about them. Well, the lack of free throws? Yeah, the lack of free throws. The fact that there weren't any for the Suns, that they had four, and that the Miami Heat had, what, 25 free throw attempts in that yeah. game? What do we make of that? Well, I think some of the complaints are legitimate. I mean, you could, you know, the NBA, right? You could call a foul on every play if you really want to. Um, you know, the the Suns, uh, there were definitely some plays like, oh, okay, I could not. Now, you know, I looked at the fouls, especially D.A. did foul Butler in that fourth quarter. He went to the free throw line. D.A. did have another foul with Bam. And Bam, he went to the free throw line. So I, I thought those were legit. But when you see a discrepancy like that, you know, it, it really hurts because, you know, at the end of the game, Book gets fouled. And again, you're not in the bonus. So you don't get to go to the free throw line and try to win the game, you know, down by one point. You, you got to inbound the basketball and get a shot off. So, I mean, I think that that they should get more calls, but they're not. And I think a lot of it, you know, my honest opinion, a lot of it to me just has to do with the lack of aggressiveness from DeAndre Ayton. The, I mean, you go, who was the guy going to the free throw line for Miami in, in that fourth quarter? Bam Adebayo, because he was attacking Bam. the paint. He was attacking right. the rim. He was going right. at it. Yeah. So I want to I, I want to sit here and say, oh, the Suns are getting screwed and everything, but, but I'm not really going to because the bottom line is, I mean, if you look at their center and you look at the Suns center, one guy played a lot more physical to get to the line and the other guy didn't and that's just the god's honest truth i totally agree now that being said monty williams after the game said it was hard to swallow the difference the free throw difference when you look at the stat sheet you look at situations like that we only end up with four free throws for the game that, that is hard to swallow. Yeah, that was Monty after the game. Devin Booker saying something similar. But I, I watched. Now, look, were there a few calls that the Suns should have gotten? Yes, there were. For the most part, I think that goes to the passivity of DeAndre Ayton, and we continue to see that this year. And that's got to get fixed. That, that's that got to get. He just has not been. Now, I, I'll give him credit for this. Up until that fourth quarter, I thought it was a much different version of DeAndre Ayton in that game. He was very active on the offensive glass. In the third quarter, when the Suns kind of pulled away a little yeah. bit. I mm-hmm. thought the Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton show was fantastic. They were playing a great two-man game, and I thought Ayton was eating up offensive rebounds. I just wish that aggression would last for longer stretches in the game because I didn't see it as long as I would have wanted to. Yeah, I think that's what it is with the free throws. But in the end, listen, you know what we're seeing here is that depth only gets you so far. Like, you're you're going to lose basketball games. They beat Minnesota, and they didn't have their guys. Like, oh, it's, but man, we don't realize how bad Minnesota is. I think we do now. But then you start to play some you know, good teams, and without Cam Johnson, without Chris Paul, and you know not having Jay Crowder or his replacement here, it becomes very, very difficult to win basketball games. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, an update on Kyler Murray and how close he is to getting back to the playing field, an update on Eno Benjamin. He has a home. We'll tell you where he's landed next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo.
Lambeau. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, just as a matter of, uh, we don't need to play the breaking news sounder for this. And we're going to talk more about Eno and the circumstances that led to his departure in the next segment of the show. Because we've got some stuff to get into there. I do want to tell everybody right now, Gambo, though, that the reports are coming down from Adam Schefter. That the Houston Texans have claimed Eno Benjamin off of waivers. They had the top waiver priority. So he literally did not last very long, right? Like the first team that had their shot to claim him, like... Yeah, we'll take him. Thank you very much. They need a quality back. They've got Damian Pierce. He's a good running back. Like he's he's done a good job for them. He's a kid out of Florida. He was a, a fourth round pick, which I know you love fourth round picks being top running backs. But he's solid. Like he's going to have well over a thousand yards and just having a big year. But they don't really have anything behind him, so they don't have a quality backup behind him. I mean, he's got seven hundred and seventy two yards rushing. The next guy's got eighty three. Oh, Rex Burkhard. Wow. So they do not. So he's a work. Pierce is kind of a workhorse type of back. So they don't have a quality back. You know, he's he's a he had 27 carries against the Eagles two weeks ago. He's, he had 26 against Jacksonville. He's been he's been over 20, one, two, three, four times. So he's usually somewhere between like 15 and 25 carries. Um and he'll catch the ball. He's got 22 receptions, so he can catch it a little. But they have no real quality backup behind Damian Pierce. So that makes a lot of sense that Houston would look at Eno Benjamin and say, this guy could be our backup right away. You know what I like better than uh, fourth-round running backs? Seventh-round running backs. I like huh. seventh-round running backs even better. <laughs> but, that's yeah. just, but that's just me. <laughs> that's just yeah, me. Yeah, no, anyway, listen. No. I mean, I, I, listen, we, we know that there was a lot more to the story than he just, yeah. you know, he just had. Uh, he, he he wasn't happy and they let him like th- th- there's a lot more to the there's stuff that hasn't I'm sure hasn't even come out yet that's, we'll, you know, we'll that's get it yeah we'll get into that in a few minutes but I just wanted to pass along that Eno Benjamin did not last very long out on the open market all right uh, so everything's now going to be delayed a day this week because the Cardinals are playing on Monday Night Football we won't get our first official injury report until Thursday of this week but obviously the big question is going to be the health and availability of one Kyler Murray. Yesterday, Cliff Kingsbury to the media was asked if Kyler is still day-to-day. Here's what he said. It is, yeah. We want to continue to progress him and see you know, where that thing's at. Playing the 49ers, I mean, that's a, a D-line that you better be full speed and be able to run and move and do the things that he can do. So uh, we'll see how he feels Wednesday and, and try to go from there. Uh, how close was he to playing on Sunday? We had a feeling it, it would probably be Colt. Um, just because, like I said, I want Kyler to be able to be 100% and really take off in the last game. He wasn't able to really separate like he can when he gets in those open spaces, and that's a big weapon for him. What do we make of all this? Um, I, I think that they'll drag this out as long as they can um, because, you know, you want to let the 49ers. First of all, you want to give it the every opportunity for Kylo to heal and see if he can play. Okay, because I think no matter what we say, and we could debate this in quarterback contra all day long. My opinion, if Kyler Murray's healthy, he's their quarterback. So we could debate whether McCoy should be the guy or not. It's fun and it's fair and he played well. But I think them internally, Kyler Murray's healthy to go. I think that Kyler Murray will play in that game. Because what would it mean? It would mean them going to Kyler Murray. Kyler's like, I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm cleared medically. I'm ready. I feel good. We're not going to play you. Then you're basically benching him. You're benching him. So you're saying to your starting quarterback that you just gave a quarter of a billion dollars to, you're saying, "We we like the older backup better to win us this football game. 
And I don't think that happens. So I think that if there's any feeling that Kyler's not healthy, then Kyler won't play. But if he is healthy, he will play. But to, to me, again, I don't think there's any reason for them to rush into a decision because they don't have to. The game's out till Monday. No, and that's why I, I wonder, and this is really like we're, we're thin slicing this here, okay? But I, I wonder how 100% does Kyler have to be to play? Like, does he have to be 100-100? Like, fully, completely, everything is great? Because I, I, I wonder, yes. you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if Yes, he, and you know Why? Why? Because last year, against the same San Francisco 49ers, Cole McCoy went 22 for 26 for 249 yards and a touchdown. Plus, he ran seven times for 23 yards. And the Cardinals beat the 49ers 31-17 on the road. So, like, Colt McCoy has faced the 49ers. This Cardinals put 31 points up on the board in that game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that Kyler's got to be, like, really, really close to 100%. I don't... And... and, and and, and that's what I th- like. I don't think that if he's a little, a little gimpy, I don't think he, I don't think he plays. Yeah, because because I I hear what you're saying about okay, like if he's 100, percent he they view him as their franchise quarterback. They're going to go back to their starter. I I I get all that. I really do. But if there's even some internal thought that given the way Kyler has played this year, that Colt might actually give them a better chance to win this week, as we discussed a lot yesterday, that it might be the threshold for Kyler to get back is truly. 100%, not 99.3, not 98.7, not nothing like that. Like he's got to be absolutely 100% because then if he's not, even if he's just a little bit still hurt, they could kind of use that as a, well, let's just give it one more week. You're still a little banged up. And to be honest, maybe we want to see Colt McCoy against San Francisco anyway. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know how, like how close to 100 he has to be before they say, because I do think you're right. I mean, we, we talked about about this Colt Kyler thing so much yesterday. And, and I, I think from an organizational standpoint, they don't have much of a choice here. If he's healthy, he's their quarterback. That's the right. You're married to him. You've made that commitment to him. He has made it to you. He is your franchise quarterback. You don't go not playing your franchise quarterback when he's healthy. That's just not how this works, right? That's not how this NFL thing works. But if there is an out... To not play him because he's 0.7% dinged up and you think Colt McCoy might actually give you a better shot this game because he'll kind of stay cool in all that chaos. Well, then maybe you wait for Kyler to be absolutely 100%, fully 100% before you play him in this game. I don't know. It's just the way of right. looking at it. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a great way to look at it. And I think you could sell that to Kyler, too. Like, if you're not 100%, we're not going to put you out there and risk it. You're our future. But I think that they would be very, very comfortable going with Colt McCoy based on, one, the way Colt played this past week against the Rams, um, and, two, based on how he played against the 49ers last year when he, he had a really good game and the Cardinals had a really good game. And so that this is a must-win game for the Cardinals. We know that. These games are all basically must-win for them from here on out. And, like, we may think that that Colt McCoy gives them the better chance to win right now. Right now, this Monday, that he made because Kyler's hasn't been right this year. But I do think that if Kyler is healthy, man, that's that'd be a hard that'd be hard for them to go to him and say, 
I don't even think they could do it. We're going we're gonna to sit know. you because we think Kyler Colt gives us a better short chance to win. Yeah, we talked about that yesterday, and and I tend to think now, and upon retrospect, in retrospect, that you're right. I I just don't know if you could if you could have that kind of conversation with them. You know, I don't know if you can make that statement about him and, and say, yeah, you're healthy and ready to go. We're going to go with this guy instead. You just that's just not, you know, Kyler. I was thinking about this last night. Kyler is home base for the Arizona Cardinals. He is there, you know, he, he is there for, and as much fun as you might have, you know, playing Colt McCoy in a game and watching how he played, at the end of the day, you've got to make this work with Kyler. You've committed to him. He's committed to you. You've defined him as your franchise quarterback. No NFL team sits their franchise quarterback in a game that they've got to win when he's healthy. Now, if he's not healthy, that's a different deal. But NFL teams don't do that. They, they don't sit their franchise guy and we they have defined Kyler as their franchise guy and that's just how it is that's who he yeah. is yeah so and at this point now I think you know if I'm Cliff I mean I, I I'm gonna make the 49ers prepare for both guys because yeah. that's just what I'm gonna do innings, I'm gonna make the 49ers prepare for both innings festival is back two-day music festival and it's featuring a good lineup Green Day Eddie Vedder Weezer the offspring and so much more returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th now tickets just went on sale you can head to the contest page at arizonasports.com for complete details and you your chance to win tickets. So, as we mentioned, Eno Benjamin has a new home. Why does he have a new home at all? We'll talk about that next. Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Eric Ruby's here with us with today's Twitter poll question of the day. We're actually going to go with the one original we came up with as a show and then use the ArizonaSports.com Twitter poll question as a transition into what we're talking about because there are some surprising results on that one. But first things first, the Burns and Gambo Twitter poll brought to you by Sanderson Ford. Eric, what do you got for us today? That's right. As you all know, the Suns had a pretty discouraging game at the free throw line yesterday. In fact, they became the first team since May 2021 to take four or fewer free throws in a full game. So the question is, are their problems getting to the line more about the refs or their personnel on the court? Personnel. Personnel on the court. Personnel on the court. One, I'm never one to blame referees. I mean, unless it's like egregious. Uh, and number two, come on, DeAndre Aiden. Let's go. <laughs> let's let's right. uh, let's let's dial it up a notch, right? Let's go attack that paint a little bit. May not be able to. I mean, I always say this: like you don't, you know, you, you've either got that in you or you don't have that in you. Yeah, I mean, doesn't like some people. Like if you're a non-aggressive person, like it's like how do you change to just be aggressive? It's a good point, and that's and if you're a super aggressive person, how do you just change to be not like it? I don't think. I, don't, I think it's very, very hard to do. I would agree with that. But but it, it's maybe not super aggressive, but certainly more than what he's doing. What's our audience say on this one? Well, this one, a little bit of surprise leading the way at 64.5%. They might just be salty. They're saying the refs are the reason why I the don't. Suns don't get to the line. 35% say personnel. Not sure if that is had, the truth. Had you asked us to guess that, I would have guessed the majority would have gone with the, the refs. I don't know if I would have said 65 but I would have guessed the majority would have said the ref. It, 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 it's always the, oh, the refs yeah. screwed us. I mean, like, it's just like, seriously, the, the most common right. thing in the world. Oh, we got screwed by the refs. We got hosed last night. Yeah, okay, whatever. Well, this one, also some interesting results on our website. It's a simple poll. Who was the better running back for the Cardinals this season? I'll just tell you straight up, 57% rolling with Eno Benjamin over the 43% for James Conner. 
Uh, I think the running back play overall hasn't been good enough. It hasn't been good enough. Now, part of that is them not playing with the lead for so long because, it, you know, last week was the first time we were like, okay, I, I liked the running game despite the fact that James Conner didn't average, you know, more than like 3.2 or 3.3 yards per carry. I, I liked that the commitment to the running game was there, but we haven't seen it all year, so it's really hard to judge that. It's They haven't – nothing about the running game has really stood out much this year at all. I mean, it's been very – it's almost like blended into the background where, yeah, Conner's been hurt. And yeah, I think you're right. A lot of it does have to do with them playing from behind and kind of having to abandon the run. But even in that game that started out over this past week, and they, they threw, what, 11 passes to start the game? Right? They didn't run the ball until the straight. 12th play. 11 you know? straight. Yep. Yeah. So it was it was very much a, we, we feel like we have to come out throwing to try to win this game. And the running game was really much put in the, on the back seat. It feels like the running game has been in the back seat almost all year long. All right, that's the poll question. Uh, you can find ours on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. You can find the one about the running backs at ArizonaSports.com. And then repeating the news that we passed along about 15 minutes ago, and I'll bring it to everybody again. Eno Benjamin did not last long at all. He was claimed by the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans had the first right to claim him. They were number one in the waiver order. So they, they took one look at him and said, yep, we'll take him. There was some speculation the Rams might go after him, and their spot you know, isn't that much further down the list from the Houston Texans. He wasn't going to last long, Gambo, and he did not last long. He got sucked up in a hurry. Yeah, and again, they, they've got a, a dynamite running back that's been very good for them, but they have no backups. So they have no no backups at running back. Rex Burkhardt is their top backup, and he's not very good. I think he only has, like I said, I think he has about like 80-something yards rushing. So um, that's a problem for them that he's got 83 yards rushing in nine games, and he's their, their number two guy. Damian Pierce is their lead running back. He's very good. He's going to go well over 1,000 yards this year. He's averaging 4.7 yards per carry. He catches the ball a little bit out of the backfield. But Eno fits in perfectly in Houston as their number two running back right now. As long as he can get up to par, he's a lot better as an, than any of the other running backs they have on their roster. The initial reports came out yesterday. Kyle Odegaard was the first that we know of um, to to report from Compare.bet that the decision was made to let him go because of Benjamin's vocal displeasure with a diminishing role in the offense, close quote. Kent Summers then followed up that he didn't hide his displeasure at his diminished role per sources that included getting into a confrontation with an assistant coach after the game. Uh, that accusation was denied kind of passively by Eno's agent, Drew Rosenhaus, who later in Kent's piece was quoted as saying, I'm not aware of that. I don't believe that is accurate. Say that to me again. Which say that now? to me again. Say, say, that, say that again to me, what Kent reported. Okay, Kent reported that he, quote, didn't hide his displeasure at his diminished role per sources that included getting into a confrontation with an assistant coach after the game close quote. Kent is not wrong. Okay. Kent is not wrong. That report is not that, that report is That accurate. report is accurate is what you're that saying. That report by Kent Summers is accurate. So he's the agent for Eno is denying that? Drew Rosenhaus quote I'm not aware of that. I don't believe that is accurate close quote. Kent Summers is accurate on that report. Okay. Now, so Drew Rosenhaus may be saying what he has to say, but that report from Kent is, is that's a correct report from Kent. Now, I like Eno as much as the next guy, and I like it when ASU guys do well 
for the Cardinals. That's a nice story. That's fun to follow. And Eno was truly one of either their first or their second best running back. There's no denying that. But when you're winning a football game, sometimes you got to swallow the pride, fake a smile, be happy for your teammates. That is not the moment for you to get grumpy about your playing time. It's just not. Is yeah. it worth getting cut over? No, that's a debate, right? That, we can have that conversation because he's he's a kind of a valuable part of your rotation here, right? And I understand that those are guys you might want to get out of the room, but I agree with many who have said that in that specific situation, when you've been scuffling as badly as the Cardinals have had have, have been scuffling. That is not the time for Eno Benjamin to make a stink about his playing time or lack thereof. And I can see No, but it's hard Car- to make a statement. It's hard to make a statement with Kyla Murray. But you know, it's easier to make a statement with Eno Benjamin. He's a seventh round pick. He's not your main running back. He's a backup. It's easier to make that statement there. Um, so you know, if there's a confrontation, you know, you do have to, you do have to, as an organization, you do have to step up, you have to stand up for your, your coaching staff, too, you know? You have to stand up for those guys. So, depending on how far that confrontation went, you know, I can see the Cardinals are justified. It sucks, but um, you're justified in doing that because, again, you got to take a stand. I mean, you can't just, you know, let players do whatever they please. I mean, there has to be some respect factor there. Um, and if Eno crossed that line, then he gave them ample reason to to cut him yeah. knowing full well that knowing full well that he was going to get picked up in, by somebody else because he's a he's a good backup running back and you hate to lose him I'm sure the Cardinals didn't want to lose him but in the end I mean sometimes things are bigger than this right sometimes things are bigger than who's my backup running back oh, we really like him so we, no if, if he did some of the if he did some of these things yeah. Then he gave them proper reason to say, you know, we can't have you on this roster anymore. We don't accept that type of behavior. Yeah, I mean, it's and, and all I can think, and this is just me speculating now, because you know, I'll I'll leave the the reporting of such details to you because you're better at it than I am. But I'll tell you right now, just from a speculative standpoint, that it, it seems to me that whatever it was, it must have been pretty bad. Because I mean, the Cardinals are still it's faint. But they still have a heartbeat, right? It's it's not it's not bright, but there's still a light. There's still a path. There's still a way. And certainly, Eno could have been a part of that way, especially if something happens to James Conner again, and they need to go to their backup running back. You'd rather have him than not. For them to do this with him in the set of circumstances they're in, it must have been pretty bad. I, I mean, that's 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 like my kind of my knee jerk reaction, like because I I would think you'd be in a position if you're the Cardinals to kind of talk tolerate a little bit of behavior like that, right? You kind of need them. You're kind of still in it. And for them to not tolerate it and let him go makes me think it must not have been. Now, again, I don't know that. I'm not reporting that. I'm just speculating. But it couldn't have been good. No, no, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, I, you know, obviously he was not happy with uh, James Conner starting and that, that, that started things. And then obviously there was, you know, some issue with uh, what, you know, what, what Kent's reporting is true, that there was an issue, um, you know, with a coach. Uh, I believe it was after the game. And at that point, I mean, I think they probably got together and said, man, I don't know if we can have this guy on the team. I think there might have been something else that happened as well that um, I'm not ready to report on yet. But I think enough, I think there were like, Three things that made the Arizona three things happened, and one of them was 
him not being happy with James Conner starting. The other thing is the confrontation, um, you know, the, what, what Kent's reporting, the coach thing. And it was still, there was one other thing. And the three things together made them feel like, we just can't have this guy on the team anymore. Nah, that's too bad. That's all, that's all too bad. It is too bad. Yeah, it mm-hmm. really is. It, it, it shouldn't have, it shouldn't have ended like that, but he shouldn't have put them in a position to make them think about ending it like that. Texas, your thoughts. The FanDuel text line is open right now at 62620. And you text us your thoughts on everything that we're talking about. On one hand, the 72 Dolphins were able to pop their champagne bottles last night. On the other, it was not the desired result for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll explain next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Snap to Hurts. Watching a bridge three. He steps up. Throws underneath. Caught by Watkins, thrown to Smith. He's trying to throw it backwards. He's hit by Cam Curl. That is picked up by Casey Tuhill in the end zone. It's a defensive touchdown to end the game. An exclamation point to end an undefeated season of the Eagles. Unnecessary, but that was how the game ended last night between the Commanders and the Eagles. And for the first time this season, the Philadelphia Eagles lose a football game rather definitively. I mean, it was close on the scoreboard, but many ways Washington just took it to him last night in somewhere who's ever left of that 72 Miami Dolphins team they can pop a bottle of Dom and they can they can raise a glass to their Man. undefeated regular season Gambo really enjoying that aren't they I mean they should they, they should enjoy how many that. of them are left oh, I think I saw boy. Zonka on Twitter and I uh, like is Mercury Morris still? I, I don't even know who's left. Uh, Greasy, I think, is still Bob Greasy is still around. I think All right. I, um, as of November fifteenth, okay, there are twenty eight members of the seventy two Dolphins that are alive, including Bob Greasy, Zonka, and Mercury Morris. Okay, Mercury Morris too. Okay, twenty eight members of the team still alive. I saw Dave Pasha tweeted last night a congratulations to to Bob Greasy. So uh, I figured he was still a part. I don't know if they get together if they just do like a Zoom call or whatever, but uh, for those who don't know, for the the younger people in our audience who don't know, the 72 Dolphins, the last team to finish a season, regular season and a postseason without a loss at all, and every time the last undefeated team loses, they used to get together and have a glass of champagne. Again, because of their age, I don't know if they do it remotely, if they all get together, I have absolutely no idea. But for locally, for us, that game had, I think, more implications rather than just raising a glass of champagne we we, we kind of outlined this with uh, with help from our friend Jess Root over Cardswire on Friday. This kind of like dream scenario of everything that had to happen. You have it in front of you. I can find it. Give me a minute. Because I'd, li- I'd like to know how, like, because with Washington winning last night, that was another one that you were like, Philly should be Washington. No, that hurts the Cardinals that Washington won. Yeah. That's- hey, Philly lost as the undefeated team. Well, that sucks. Like, if you are, st- if, you know, after the win against the Rams, if you've got a little bit of hope left for the Cardinals. Having the Commanders win that game is not good. That's no, not good because they're five and five. They're ahead of you, and that's and that's what I was setting up to. I mean, no, it's not. That was not a good outcome for the. There's no one raising a glass of champagne if you're a Cardinals fan. Said that one. The dream scenario that was put together. Okay, by give Jess it to Root. me because I want to see how they did. How they did. Okay. Um, he writes five teams are between the 49ers and the Cardinals, but let's go crazy. Uh, the Falcons lost to the Panthers on Thursday. They're four and six. The Panthers, the Packers play the Cowboys. The Saints play the Steelers. The 
Rams and the Cardinals play each other. The Commanders face the undefeated Eagles. The 49ers play the Chargers. Um, his dream scenario was Cardinals beat the Rams, improved to 4-6. and six. Okay, that's 1-0. and oh. If the Commanders lose to the Eagles... 1-1. One and one. If the Cowboys beat the Packers... 2-1. and one. Okay. Um, oh, no, wait. No, 1-2. 1-2. and, two. One and, one and two. Packers Cowboys, won The Packers game. won. 1-2. He didn't mention... The Saints game, but they lost to the Steelers, but the Cardinals right. were... So that's good. So yeah, two and good. two. That's good. So two and two. Two and two. If the 49ers lose to the Chargers... Two and three. Okay. And then... See, that's why dream scenarios don't ever work out. No, no. You had, you had five... <laughs> you did too many things to happen. Five things that needed to happen, and only two of them did. Right. 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 And, and, that's and, not like, yeah. And, Washington and on, won, San Francisco won, and Green Bay won. And on Friday, when we were looking at this, it all seemed very... The, the only one that seemed kind of sketched to me was the 49ers losing to the Chargers. I didn't think the 49ers were going to lose to L.A., okay? But the rest of them are going, yeah, Cowboys probably beat the Packers. Yeah, the Eagles probably beat the Commanders. Yeah, the uh, Saints and Steelers, I don't know. That's a toss-up of mediocrity. I have no idea who's going to what uh, do what there. But it, it all seems very reachable until it actually comes time to do it. Five games that you were kind of looking at to see what was going to happen. You got positive results if you're the Cardinals in two of them. And that's, Gambo, I can see where you're going with this. That's the problem in trying to project the Cardinals as a playoff team. They need so much help in front of them that it's just hard to reasonably say, oh yeah, it's just all these teams are going to lose and the Cardinals are going to win and they're going to get in. It doesn't really work that way. No. I mean, you look at this week, and I'm just looking ahead to this week. Chicago is at Atlanta. So, you would want Chicago to win. Yes. You'd want Chicago to win. The Rams are at New Orleans. So, you would want... You'd probably want... I guess you would want the Rams to win. Probably the Rams to win, I would think. Right, because you've got a because you have a win over the Rams. I don't know what the tiebreak is. I, I don't have to see what the tiebreak is. New Orleans be. is three and seven. The Rams are three and six. I mean, I guess you could. I guess you could either way. I mean, you've one, got the right? tie. You've got the tiebreaker over New Orleans because you beat them. Right now, you've got the tiebreaker over the Rams because you beat them, and because you've got a better record. So, I, I mean, that one's okay. Go go back to that one. I, I don't know who you're rooting for in that one. Go we'll go back to that okay. one. Okay, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna lose. Um, Detroit at the Giants. Doesn't really I, mean, I don't know that you can catch the Giants. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that one matters at all. Carolina's at Baltimore. Uh, I you guess could put a fork in Carolina oh, with a loss. Yeah, yeah, and even then you probably right, he, still can put a fork in them. Here you go. Washington at Houston. Yeah, you root for Eno Benjamin and the Houston Texans. You root for the Texans. <laughs> to be Washington, yeah. Um, Titans are at the Packers. You root for the Titans in a game like that, right? So, and that's the yeah, Thursday night game. that one there at the Packers? That's the Thursday night game. Oh, that's game. the Thursday night game. I didn't see that. Yeah, so Tennessee's at Green Bay. You root for Tennessee. So you can sit there and look and say, okay, you want you want Houston to win. You want Chicago to win. You want Tennessee to win. You want, you, you could go over all of them, but it's just, un, it's just very rarely does it ever play out the way you want it to. You yeah. know, it's just too hard. Like, who would have thought that Washington would beat Philly last night? 
Who would have thought that the Washington Commanders would win that football game? Nobody. 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 And they did it. They did it because they forced four turnovers, and the Eagles had only committed three all year. They did it because they ran the ball, what, 49 times? They had time of possession was all Washington. Was all, like, all Washington. Philly had the ball for like six and a half minutes in the first half of that game. Yeah. It, um, you know, the, the mistakes Philly was making, the turnovers, the, the illegal contact at the end when Taylor Heineke gave himself up. And now, now in Washington, all the talk is like, you got to ride Taylor. We talk about quarterback controversies here. Oh, they I don't even know if they've got one in Washington now. It's like, how can you not start Taylor Heineke? He's giving that team a jolt, right? Like Carson Wentz yes. is ready to come back. There's no controversy in Washington. You go with you ride no. that Taylor Heineke hand until he, there's no reason not to. 17 to 29, 211 yards. That's fine. No touchdowns and one interception. He wasn't great. They won the game not because of Tyler Ty, uh, because of Heineke, they won the game because they ran the ball down the Eagles' throats. Yeah. Like you mentioned, what did you say? How many? 49, 49 rushing attempts? Yeah, only three yards I mean, per eight, carry, but still 49 attempts. No, but, but the fields didn't, Jalen Hurts didn't get the ball. He didn't get the ball. You're running it for, and then a third down conversions. They were 12 of 21 on third downs. So they kept the chains moving. They had 80, Washington had 81 plays. Philly had 47. It's crazy. Eighty-one to forty-seven. Like, okay, why did the Eagles lose? They didn't have the ball. Yeah, yeah, that's why they lost. That's why they lost. So, yeah, there's every week, you know, as long as the Cardinals. Now, of course, for the Cardinals, it starts with beating the 49ers. I mean, nothing nothing else matters except for that. Beat the Niners and then see whatever else happens. But it just does point out you need help. Lots and lots and lots of help if you're the Cardinals. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, he uh, had a big moment last night for the Suns. It wasn't quite big enough as they lost to Miami. Dwayne Washington Jr. is going to join us next on the Burns and Gambo Show.